May I now reword the familiar phrases most of us have learned, even without trying, from the 23rd Psalm. The expression, he leadeth me to lie down by or near still waters, is more precisely, he leads me to water in places of repose. And it is for us significant that the rest of the Lord applies not simply to cessation of activity, it refers to entering into the Lord's rest, and the Lord's rest is defined as the fullness of his glory. In Orson Pratt's original uh, version of the Doctrine and Covenants, that is, when he introduced some footnotes, he made a footnote to the phrase that says that we are in the wilderness and that Jesus' voice is as the voice crying in the wilderness. And then the explanation, in the wilderness because you cannot see him, my voice because my voice is spirit. Orson Pratt adds, those who have seen the Lord are no longer in the wilderness. Well, to be led to the still waters where we need to drink, but in the presence of the glory of the Lord is the ultimate destiny of the faithful. In the verse that says, He restoreth my soul, the exact meaning is closer to He restores my life. That is, rejuvenation is given. And in the process, of course, of travel, of grazing, and then of having to return to the fold, there is energy consumed as well as there is gain from partaking. To have one's life restored in the inclusive way is the privilege, again, of receiving of the Spirit. When it says that uh, he leads me in paths of righteousness, the precise phrase is, he leads me in right paths. And that, uh, of course, conjures the idea that there are only so many ways to proceed to a given destination that uh, the notion that any kind of sincere righteousness or any kind of setting out without knowing whether or not one is proceeding correctly, that those will not do. Someone has defined a fanatic as a person who doubles his speed when he's lost his direction. Well, the Good Shepherd points to or walks on right paths. And we are taught again in modern scripture that we must seek the gate, the only gate, the gate or the door to the fold, and that those who have sought to come in other ways are, as the parable says, thieves and bandits. They are intent upon spoiling, they are intent upon destruction, or they are intent upon theft but the Master is intent upon leading us on right paths to the ultimate. We have already mentioned the valley of the shadow 
it is the valley of deep darkness in Hebrew or deepest darkness or the gloomy valley and in modern times one translation would be depression the word surely and the word mercy are in Hebrew difficult to translate surely is close to only as if the shepherd is not only the sure guide but the only one and mercy is roughly a translation of the word hesed which in uh, English is closer to the phrase loving kindness and now the phrase he prepareth a table in the presence of mine enemies obscure today because we're unfamiliar with the ancient cities of refuge if you were running from your enemies and could touch the tent of a certain friend then even if he were ill disposed to you he would be required by the laws of hospitality to be your host and to provide for you and to prepare for you a feast after you departed was another story but to have a meal even in the presence of one's enemies is to be in a place of refuge though your life be in jeopardy finally the phrase as translated speaks of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever but this is more profoundly rendered in certain translations on the premise that the host in the temple is God and the sacrificial meal is offered as a gift by the host to those who in turn have offered someone or something in devotion in other words the reference ties to the ancient law of sacrifice which we are taught was to point the mind forward to Christ and so the last phrase would be approximately this I shall keep on returning to the temple sharing in its worship and all associated blessings as long as I shall live and by God's kindness it will be a long life now in the same setting the cup running o'er and the pouring of oil uh, upon the head or rubbing of oil on the head also reflect ancient practices of shepherds times of healing times of reviewing the thorns the thistles the briars the noxious weeds that have been caught in the fleece and we have seen again situations where a flock is brought to a pool not large but deep and each in turn is immersed first to cleanse but also to prepare the way for anointing healing anointing a balm which we uh, in our symbolism identify with Gilead this is preparation and this is healing let me turn now to the New Testament symbolism of Jesus as himself the lamb the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world 
we learn that in the end the pasture spoken of is not outside of him but ultimately is him that is as we're taught in first nephi in prophecy there shall one day be one fold and one shepherd and he shall feed his sheep and in him they shall find pasture the image of jesus as himself a lamb and not clearly at first as shepherd goes back at least as far as isaiah who speaks of him as a lamb slain from before the foundation of the world we are taught that the lamb can be sent forth as among wolves we're taught that the wolf someday will dwell in peace with the lamb we are taught that the lamb of god has overcome and it's even uh, reflected in modern revelation that speaks of him trotting the winepress even the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty god we are taught that there will be a marriage supper of the lamb that we will one day sing the song of the lamb that the faithful will be on the right hand of the lamb and that the lamb of god has brought to pass the resurrection and finally our most sacred ritual moment the dedication of holy temples is climaxed by a hosanna shout which says hosanna to god and the lamb in the book of revelation all of these various insights are combined in a pattern which is almost surrealistic that is a combination of opposites so that we have the lamb slain but also standing the lamb who is given for the sheep and the lamb who presides at the host of a marriage feast jesus spoke of himself in these terms and now i am led to a personal observation in israel we were invited to go north from jerusalem to mount gerizim not far from the ancient nablus it was there you may recall that jesus first announced on his trip east and north to a woman at the well of jacob that he was the messiah mount gerizim had become for the samaritans the most sacred mountain in israel and they practiced the passover feast and the offering of the lamb from ancient times and it has continued all the way down to ours in fact at the destruction of the temple in about 70 AD the Jews ceased the so-called sacrificial pattern and have awaited the day when it might be restored many today among the Jews do not anticipate that but consider that the temple was a phase now overcome and even with the attitude of good riddance 
But the Samaritans still practiced the Passover. We went with a group of students and ascended the mount and were privileged to sit, as many others were, in a kind of bleacher setting out of doors where the lambs were brought and where the high priests, on that occasion all of them dressed in white, went through the Passover ritual. Aware that this would be a spectacle and one that I might not be able to stand, I encouraged my friends to go down closer. I made observations of the songs that were sung and of the uh, gathering of the Samaritan people and of the geographic locus, but thought I could not stand to see the actual cutting of the throat of a sacrificial lamb. It is done in the ancient fashion with the sharpest of knives one stroke to the carotid artery. And once that is done, the blood is taken at first in the hand of the father, and he then places blood upon the forehead of each of his children. This reminiscent, no doubt, of the ancient deliverance when the destroying angel passed by after blood had been placed upon the doorposts. I was afraid. I could not stand it. It seemed to me so heartless. But when it was over, I became aware of a jubilant, a rejoicing, a communal kind of celebration that I can hardly describe. Of course, following this, the great Passover meal was held, and into each home was taken a portion at least of the many lambs that were that night sacrificed. And that is for them the most important ceremonial meal of the calendar year. But the muted joy that I sensed reflected, I believe, what was the feeling in the ancient Passover. Now, if we can trust the Gospel of John in its chronology, and it does not reconcile completely with others, he describes the bringing of lambs down the Mount of Olives to the pool of Bethesda, the place where they were washed and prepared, and then up to the Temple Mount and the altar. He indicates that at the very time that that was being done in the Passover feast that year, the last year of the life of Jesus, Jesus himself was on the cross. The symbolism is hard to avoid. If it seems to us heartless that life must be given in death, but that then death is the mode and channel whereby renewed life comes to pass, we have lost touch with what is the joy and the glory of the resurrection. It is my testimony that the shepherd of Israel was in fact himself the lamb, that he knew from before the foundations of the world 
that the time would come when he would have to both descend below all and then submit to all before he could rise above all. That he knew and testified before that day that as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness and that the people were told that simply to look upon it would be sufficient for them to be healed so he would be lifted up upon the cross and would draw all men unto him. And I wish to bear witness that though it is a breathless moment to be present for the killing of a lamb, we are yet commanded in Revelation ancient and modern to remember and recall his body which was given for us and his blood which was shed for us. The Hebrew word of rest, the Hebrew word that ties in with being acquitted, redeemed, forgiven, healed, and even endeared and sealed comes from the word that is the core word in the 23rd Psalm. I bear testimony that he does and will be our shepherd, that his rod and his staff may at times goad, but they are also intended to guide. And that all we as sheep have gone astray, and yet it is divine truth that all we, like shepherds, can, through him, find the way. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.